Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. I want to welcome all of you tuning in in Colorado and Wyoming on Grace FM, up and down the Front Range, all the way from, let's see, what is it, Pueblo, Colorado in the south, all the way up to... Cheyenne, Wyoming, and the environs there in the north. Welcome to the program. We're glad that you tuned in. You're hearing the show live today. We also want to welcome those of you listening in um, on the East Coast on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland, as well as those listening on Truth FM in Tennessee and parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. Welcome to the program. We're glad that you're with us today. Um, just a reminder that those of you listening on the East Coast in the area around Tennessee, you're hearing the program on a one-week delay but we would love for you to call in and you'll have the opportunity to then tune in a week later and listen to yourself on the radio. We also want to give a big hello to everyone who tunes in online, whether it's through the mobile app or through the website. So glad that you do that. And hey, if you don't have that mobile app yet, you should definitely go get it. So go to your app store and just type in Grace FM in the search bar and that app should come right up. And then you'll be able to listen wherever you are, anywhere in the world, over the internet, on your phone or your tablet. And you can also go, if you are using a browser, whether it's on your laptop, desktop, whatever it might be, you can just go to gracefm.com and you can click the Listen Live button. You can also listen to this program and any of our other programs live uh, right there on our website over the internet. So however you've tuned in today, we're glad that you're with us. Welcome to the program. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or things that are going on in your life. We would love to hear from you. We'd love to hope, hopefully answer some of those questions for you. And if you have a prayer request, we'd love to pray for you. So do give us a call or text us. The number to call is 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. So a few words about myself. My name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is located in Longmont, Colorado. And I am your host, every Monday here on Calvary Live, but I'm filling in today. Today is Wednesday, and I'm filling in for Pastor Ed Taylor, who usually hosts on Wednesdays, but he is currently in the Middle East. He is in Israel on their annual tour that uh, Calvary Chapel does down there, Calvary Aurora does, and he's uh, over there in Israel. He'll be back soon, but I am filling in for him today while he is away. Like I said, I host every Monday here on Calvary Live, and I also have uh, a show that airs here on Grace FM every weekday at 2.30 p.m. and every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. So if you tune in at those times, 2.30 p.m. every weekday or Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., you'll hear me and our show that airs there. It's called Life in the Field, and it is an allusion to how we live our lives on God's mission field. We live our lives on mission with God in His mission field, and so uh, those are the sermons from our church that are cut for the radio. And so I'm the pastor, like I said, of Whitefields Community Church, which is located here in Longmont, Colorado. 
if you are in Longmont or in the surrounding area, any of the surrounding towns, we would love for you to come and join us uh, for church this Sunday or any Sunday. We meet at 10 a.m. at the St. Vrain Memorial Building, which is in downtown Longmont, right at 700 Longs Peak Avenue, which is one block west of Main Street on Longs Peak Avenue. And it's also another way to find it. It is on the northwest corner of Longs Peak Avenue and Kaufman Street. So Longs Peak and Kaufman, northwest corner, is the St. Vrain Memorial Building. It's kind of a central building, a hub, really, for for downtown Longmont. It's where all the parades and everything uh, start out from. And we are right on the corner of Roosevelt Park. So if you know where Roosevelt Park is in downtown Longmont, we're right on the corner of it, right there in the St. Vrain Memorial Building and uh, in downtown Longmont. So 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings, we'd love to have you join us for Worship in the Word. We have a great children's ministry, have a great worship ministry, and uh, we're doing some great Bible studies right now. Right now we're in a series where we're studying through the prophets, and something I've really wanted to do for a long time, and uh, here at the beginning of this year, it seemed like the perfect time to do it, and it really has been a very fruitful study. And a couple reasons. One is that I, what I've found with a lot of people, including so- somewhat myself, is that these are the books of the Bible that a lot of people have the most confusion about. You know, what do they mean? What are they saying? Who are these prophets? When did they live? What was going on at those times? How does it all correlate with the other books of the Bible? And things like that. And uh, what we found as we've been studying the prophets these last couple of weeks is that they're just a treasure trove of, of God's message to us um, in so many ways. In fact, that's what I've just been overwhelmed with is... Um, as we're doing it, we're not looking at every verse of the uh, prophetic book so much as we're looking at the prophets themselves because James tells us in James chapter 5, verse 10, he tells us to remember the prophets and look to them as examples of how to persevere in the face of suffering. So what he's telling us is when we consider the prophets, don't just consider the words that they wrote or the words that they spoke, but also consider who they were and uh, how they lived. And so that's what we've been doing over the last couple of weeks. This past Sunday, we looked at Daniel, and we looked at this idea, how do you live a God-honoring life in a hostile environment? And this coming Sunday, we're going to be looking at Ezekiel, which is a really interesting book, and we're going to be talking about this idea of seeing the glory of God and showing it to others. And as we've been preparing for this and studying Ezekiel, one of the things that's really stuck out to me is that in chapter 3, Ezekiel is called by God to be a watchman for Israel is what it's called. But he's, God says, hey, I'm going to give you my words and I'm going to put them in your mouth. And he says, I want you to go and speak to the people. And not all of them are going to listen to you, but I want you to speak to them anyway. And here's what he says. He says, if you preach to them and they reject your message, which is God's message through Ezekiel, he says, then I will deal with them accordingly. But if I give you my message and you do not speak it to the people, then he said, and they perish, then I'm going to hold their blood on your hands. And so that's what really stuck out to me is that there's this sense of urgency in the gospel, this sense of urgency in the message that Ezekiel was to preach to them, which is a message of repentance, which would lead to mercy and which would lead to, lead to a reconciliation and all of these things. But if they didn't preach it, they were, or if Ezekiel didn't preach that message, God said, I'm going to hold you responsible. And I just thought, man, you know, I think that's a message that we need to hear today as Christians, that there is a, a, a very big urgency to the matter of the gospel, because if we believe that hell is real, which of course I do, um, you know, if we believe that the gospel 
is the way to be saved, that through Jesus is how we are saved, then there is absolutely an urgency to the gospel. So anyway, I'm looking forward to this message this coming Sunday from Ezekiel. And uh, hey, if you're in the Longmont area or within driving distance, we would love for you to join us 10 a.m. Sunday morning. You can find more information about us at whitefieldschurch.com. So whitefieldschurch.com. We have all open lines right now. The number to call is 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Once again, the text line is 720-336-0897. Here at the beginning of the show is usually one of the best times to get on if you've been wanting to call in, if you've had a question that you were hoping to get answered or a prayer request need prayer for. We'd love to hear from you. And now's a great time to call in. We have three open lines. We'd love to hear from you. So once again, 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. So we do have a couple text questions that we can look at before uh, we get any calls. Uh, first one is this. Uh, someone had a question. Looks like Kay and Longmont had a question asking this. Uh, if Satan and the demons are fallen angels, then does that mean that angels can still choose to rebel against God? Yeah, so, Kay, the answer to this question is, um, if it's really a question of, do angels have free will? And so, I would say they have some, some degree of free will because, as, as you made mention of, Satan and the demons made a choice to rebel against God. And so then you might ask the question, could angels today theoretically choose to rebel against God? I think the answer to that is uh, theoretically, yes, they could. But clearly, it's not like they're doing that in, in mass. And I think there are a few things to keep in mind here. One is that angels, unlike human beings, do not have a fallen nature, right? So we don't have a sin nature, a corrupted nature. Or, I'm sorry, the, the angels don't, whereas we as human beings do. In other words, as human beings, we don't just become sinners because we sin. Rather, we actually sin because we are sinners by nature. Whereas with angels, um, that's not the case. So they don't have this corrupted nature, which has a bent towards rebellion and sin, uh, as we human beings do. So I think that's an important distinction to make. The other one that I would point out to you is this, that, of course, these angels are in the presence of God. We just studied recently Isaiah and his vision of God in our series about the prophets on Sunday mornings uh, at Whitefields. And that's one of the things that we see that they're just constantly, I actually really love that passage there in Isaiah chapter 6 and really getting into it in detail. It says that around the throne of God, Isaiah saw that there were these angels, seraphim, which means burning ones. And these angels uh, spend all their time covering their faces, which I thought was also crazy, right? That they're here, these angels, and they are um, they're in the presence of God, and they, they're right there, and they don't even look at him because it's too much for them to bear. And what, what amazed me in that, and this is really kind of a just a rabbit trail from what I was really saying, but what amazed me in that is that the Bible tells us that there will come a day when we will see God, and we will see him face to face. And that means that we will get to do something that not even angels get to do that we will behold God in all of his majesty and glory. 
and we'll see him with unveiled eyes. And I, I think that's so cool. But anyway, these angels are around the throne of God. They're covering their faces. And what's so interesting is that the angels are calling out to each other. See, this is something I hadn't noticed as much before. You know, I assumed that they were speaking to God when they said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. But it actually says that the seraphim, these angels, were speaking this to each other back and forth. In fact, they were speaking God's praise so powerfully that it says that the whole temple shook. In fact, it shook so much that the foundations of the threshold, so a foundation of the threshold would be the doorways, right? And so, you know what they say when there's an earthquake, you're supposed to go stand in a doorway because that's kind of the most stable part of a structure. It's least likely to cave in on you. But it's saying that that, the power of these angels speaking the praise of God to each other back and forth is so powerful that it shook the threshold of the temple. And my, my whole point with this is just to say this. Can angels sin? Apparently, yes. But why don't they? Well, it would seem that a big factor in that is that they are in the presence of God and they, they're not facing the temptation. You know, they're right there in God's presence and, uh, and then being sent out, you know, the word angel means messenger. So these are people, or sorry, these are beings who are in the presence of God and then being sent out uh, to do tasks and mission for God and then coming back. And I guess th those are the two things I would point out to you. Angels can sin, but apparently they don't sin in mass because they don't have a fallen nature like we do and they are in the presence of God. And, um, and clearly there's a lot less temptation to do so when you're enraptured in worshiping God. And I think that there's some application there for us too, that when we're enraptured in the presence of God and worshiping God, we're going to be a lot less tempted to sin and fall ourselves. So, Kay, thank you for that question. God bless you. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. Looks like in the meantime of answering that one question, we got all full lines. So let's go to our first caller, Rachel in Fort Collins, Colorado. Hi, Rachel. Welcome to the program. Hi, thank you. What's so up? I have um, a prayer request. Okay. I am engaged, and I'm so excited. And I have a brain injury, and okay. by the grace of God, I woke up from my coma, and mm. that is how I came to God, because wow. I woke up and I just kind of said, okay, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, and praise it was done. That's awesome. And so praise the Lord for that. Um, and then I, you know, I've lived out my life as a Christian ever since, and I have been with a man um, and started dating him, and he asked me to marry him. And so we're getting married this May, okay. which is super exciting, and he is not a Christian yet. Okay. And I strongly believe in that word yet, because I know God has a plan for him to come to Jesus. And so I would just ask that we at the, um, that you pray for Doug, that he comes to Jesus, and that we can share that together, because I know how important it is for a relationship, but I strongly believe that I've been called to be with him and that it will happen. So I don't know. Okay. Well, <laughs> let me pray sense. for you. Yeah, let me pray for you, and then maybe I could ask some questions that would hopefully be helpful. So let's pray Thank first. You. 
Yeah. Heavenly Father, we pray for Rachel. Thank you, Lord, for what you did in her life, um, that you would even use something like a traumatic brain injury. And through that, Lord, you would bring something good and glorious, something exceptionally good and glorious out of that, that by her having gone through that, that she is now your child, that she has given her life to you and that she's enjoying this relationship with you. Lord, I pray for her and I specifically pray for Doug and just I hear this desire in her heart that her fiancé would know you and that they could share that walk with God, uh, the walk with you, God, as they share this life together. Lord, I pray that that would be the case, that whatever is holding Doug back from giving his life to you, Lord, that you would overcome that and that you'd break down that wall um, and whatever thoughts or whatever uh, lies maybe he's believing, uh, Lord, that you would tear those down and that whatever um, yeah, whatever barriers there have been to him receiving you and giving his life to you, Lord, I pray that his questions would be answered and Amen. that he would truly give his life to you. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Rachel, Amen. can I just ask you a few questions? Like, um, I was yeah. going to ask you, so how, how receptive is Doug to you sharing your faith with him? Oh, he's very receptive. Um, he is agnostic, self-proclaimed agnostic, and he's very open to learning, which is so encouraging. Um, but the thing is, as a baby Christian, I mean, I was in my accident nine years ago, and so I've only been a Christian for nine years, and none of my family is Christian, so I'm kind of... You know, I'm I'm just learning, and so he has all these questions, and he'll even be kind of pointed, and he doesn't mean to be, but he comes off as that way, mm -hmm. and so I want I I pray for a mentoring relationship for him. Yeah, I because think that'd be good. he asks questions, and I smile and put my thumbs up and say, "Faith," yeah. <laughs> because right. I don't know. I mean. Uh, there, there are so many questions that I, I'm like, okay, you're right. That is a great question. I don't know how to answer it. Yeah. No, it sounds to me like some kind of mentoring relationship would be really good. You know, what I've found more and more is that in our society, what we've moved from is this, it's that a lot of, there are, not, there are a lot of people out there who aren't necessarily anti-Christian. That's not the right. reason they're not Christian is because they're against it. It's that they haven't really had all their questions answered and but here's the thing that I would want Doug to know and I want you to know is that uh -huh. there are answers to all of Doug's questions because remember we're dealing with the truth and as people who are dealing with the truth we are not afraid of questions we're not afraid of examination right. and um, those answers are available to all those questions so I'm just gonna encourage you are you part of a church Rachel you know I I was part of a church, and they, the pastor sat down with me and point blank told me to go home and break off my relationship with Doug. Mm. And that was very hurtful, of course, but, you know, besides that, I, I really cannot tell you how I've, I feel like this, is, this relationship is of God. And that I am honoring him by going through with this. And so I'm now looking for a new church. Okay. Well, I'm just going to encourage you to, um, you know, like you said, that kind of mentoring relationship for Doug, I think that's going to be really important. And, and um, so, I'm sorry, this, the church that I 
that I was going to, I asked them if we could be a part of the premarital counseling, and they said no, because Doug is not a Christian. And I was really frustrated because maybe that's how he'll come to the Lord, is through premarital counseling. Yeah, well, it's certainly been the case. I mean, I guess I can kind of sympathize with the church in this one sense that, you know, they they want to have some standards. And they they do that because they care about the the scriptures and they care about honoring God. And they care about us. And I understand that. And at the same time, I'm looking for a place where I can um, bring Doug and we can go through premarital counseling and... I don't know. I mean, he's he's very happy to do that. And so that just seems like one more way that I could, we. Yeah, I see that. Okay. Well, know, here, here's what, what I'm going to recommend. <laughs> Two things I'm going to recommend for you, Rachel, and then I'm going to let you go. Number okay, one. Thank you. Here's a, there's a book that I want you guys to read together. And it okay. actually addresses why Christians uh, believe that they should be together with other Christians, but it also deals with marriage in general. And I would say uh-huh. it is the best book on marriage that I've read. It's the book that we use for all our premarital counseling here at my church. Okay. And it is, is it by called? Timothy and Kathy Keller, and it's called The uh-huh. Meaning of Marriage. The so Meaning, the meaning of, of Marriage. Yes, by Timothy and Kathy Keller. So I would definitely recommend you guys get a copy of that, read it together. And then the last thing I'm going to say is this. If you want to talk to the producer after uh, we get off the air here, um, just give me your email address, then I'll shoot you an email um, with a few thoughts after this as well. So. Okay, thank you. You bet. All right, God bless you, Rachel. God bless. Take care. Thank Bye-bye. you. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. Let's go to Michelle in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Hi, Michelle. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you for taking my call, Pastor. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have a situation that I've been dealing with for a long time with my husband. We've been married for almost 10 years, and we've gone through counseling at the church and everything, and I am a member of a church. I firmly have given my life to Jesus Christ. I just lay everything at His feet. But I'm very conflicted, and I've been conflicted for a very long time because I don't know. My husband is um, addicted to pornography. Um, he absolutely denies that. And now it's progressed to the point that he is now pursuing women at his work. So he's, like, getting ready to have an affair. I know it's just, like, one step away. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as my role as a wife goes, according to God, I just am struggling with this because I feel like I am his punching bag, and I'm just being the good little housewife as he goes and has his whatever. I mean, he has naked women all over his phone. He has pictures of these girls at his work that he went to a party with. And I don't know, should I sit back and pray for him? Should I just take it? What is my role as a wife? And I've never really got a straightforward answer as to what I should do. Or should I leave? Because he's lusting, and that is according to God him being unfaithful, and that is grounds for divorce. Right, and so the question, yeah, there's several questions involved in what you're asking. Um, Okay, so first let's start with the leaving him part. Um, So I don't think that you should leave him at this point. And um, here's what I will tell you that, yes, you're absolutely right. That So we get into issues of, you know, is sin sin qualitatively or quantitatively? Is every sin equal? 
You know what I'm saying? So here's, here's the question. You know, some people would say, hey, a sin is a sin is a sin, no matter what kind of sin it is. Just like Jesus said, you know, if a person lusts after another person with their heart, that's the same in God's eyes as committing adultery. So that's talking about qualitatively, but I would say, or I'm sorry, that's talking about quantitatively, right? One sin equals one sin, whether it's a white lie or whether it's robbing a house. Um, that counts as one sin uh, before God. And of course, it only takes one sin to make you a sinner. Now, qualitatively, right, clearly there's a difference between telling a white lie or murdering the president, right? So those things right. are qualitatively different. In the same way, I think there's a qualitative difference between uh, lusting in your heart and actually committing adultery. Right. And so uh, I'm not telling you that what he's doing isn't bad. I think it's awful. And I'm sorry that you're suffering through this. Um, however, I don't, I would not tell you at this point to leave, if that makes sense. Here, no, here are it some does things. make sense. And, yeah. and I, you know, a part of me absolutely believes that, but the pain just gets so hard. And I think my thing is that I feel like if I leave now, I don't have to wait until he actually does get to the point where he has an affair. Yeah. But then I think, if I think that, then where's my faith? Like, wouldn't God step in and prevent that? But then I see these things happen, so I don't know what he's going to prevent. I mean, is he going to have me stay until he actually has his, his physical affair? Because if that happens, I mean, it's bottom line, it's over for me. I just, there's no way I can barely handle this. If yeah. that happened, it would just be absolutely the end of our marriage. Right. Yeah, I understand that. So here's here's a few things I'm going to tell you that I think are, are kind of hard for us to receive, but I think are really, really important. And that is that when we take these vows of marriage, and I, and I agree with you, hey, you know, the Bible says that, that for the case of adultery, Jesus said, you know, that's the one thing that he says, okay, you know, that would be grounds for divorce. Um, however, I think that as I've been studying, like I said, through the prophets, one of the things you see is that God calls people to long-suffering and one of the reasons for that exactly. is because <laughs> marriage is a picture of Christ in the church and our relationship with God. And it's something that we get to live out. It's a picture of the gospel that we get to live out. And we get to live out the love that God has shown us. We get to live that out towards someone else. We just recently studied, as you can probably imagine, we studied Hosea, which if you're familiar with the story of Hosea, God actually yeah. called him to go and marry a woman who would continually cheat on him. And it culminates with this point where she leaves him with three children, two of whom are dubious. In other words, he doesn't know if they're even right. his own children. And uh, she goes off and he has to go searching the streets for her at night. And um, he ends up purchasing her and he purchases her for half price, which is very sad. But it, it shows yeah. in that, that God had called him why did God call him to do that? Just because God wants him to suffer? Absolutely not. But it was because through that, it was his calling to live out what it means, what marriage is as a picture of God's relationship with his people. And so that would be my advice to you. I would, I would encourage you to communicate to him. Make sure that he understands exactly what you think and where you're at. And that this is oh, not that's at all right. Okay. I was just going to ask you that. Should I let him know? Because it was actually a conversation I overheard from him talking with his buddy that he thinks this one girl at his work is just to die for. And he said he has a good thing going with her. And he just tries everything to make sure he's around her. 
And I'm very well aware of this, but I was going to ask you if I should let him know everything that God reveals to me. Yes, I, I absolutely would. I would talk to him. Okay. I would I would make sure that all your cards are really on the table. Nothing's a surprise. You're not wanting to pull anything on him. You want to be yeah, very exactly. upfront. And you're wanting to ultimately save this marriage if it's salvageable. It's going to take absolutely. repentance on his part, and it's going to take a right. change. And, um, you know, and if he's willing to get back into counseling, I know you've done it, but I, I would just say, hey, look, this is this is dead serious, and this is really going to be the end. So let's get into counseling, let's get some accountability, and let's change this because I want to save this marriage. And I don't, you know, obviously, and my, my heart goes out to you, Michelle. I'm, I'm really sorry that you have to go through this. It's very hard. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. But yeah, that's, I mean, that's kind of the thing. Like I was going to, um, you know, uh, contact our pastor at the church and ask if he you would reach out to my husband. Yes, do that. I have to go to break right now, but so I have to cut you off. Sorry for that. And uh, we will be that's back in two minutes' time. You're listening to Calvary Live. Give us a call, 303-690-3000. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon and welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. We've got one open line. The number to call is 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Nine seven. Let's go to our next caller, Adrian in Greeley, Colorado. Hi, Adrian. Welcome to the program. Hey, thanks, Pastor. Yeah, what's um, up? Well, dude. So, uh, two main things. One is there's this. Uh, I know it's in me. It, it's a rip. I don't feel the desire like I used to to get into God's Word. Um, but I recognize that as a problem. Uh, so that's one thing I, it's just, the desire's not there in me, but it yeah. bothers me. So it's, oh, I don't know. It's a weird thing in me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the second thing is I start a new job, like in oil and gas. Okay. So it's all brand new to me and I've liked where I'm at, but next, basically I work a week on a week off. And the next time I'm on, um, they're going to move me, and it sounds like an older place, and that makes me nervous just because I know stuff is only going to get, like where I'm at, that's the newest technology. So it makes me nervous that I'm falling back into something that seems obsolete. Mm. Um, I just worry about work, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah, those two things, man. Are you worrying that um, if you work with the older equipment that it's dangerous? Are you worried that it's kind of a demotion rather than a promotion? Are you worried that it won't help you progress in your career? Uh, it feels kind of like a demotion. I kind of take things personally, I guess, mm-hmm. even when I shouldn't. So I guess it's common for guys to get moved around the first three months of the year. Because that's happened to a few other dudes. 
Um, but it still still feels like it's a slight demotion and just the uncertainty of uh, where I'll be in the future, even with the new knowledge I get from older stuff. It gets me nervous. I just, I want to progress, you know? Yeah. Okay. Well, let's, uh, let's pray for you. But first, let me just say a few words about reading the word. Well, first of all, Adrian, it sounds like you've tuned into a a radio station, which is all about uh, preaching God's word. So I think that's a good thing for you to do. And um, it sounds like specifically, though, you're, you're feeling that you're not uh, hungry for, to put it in, a, in those terms, hungry for reading the, the scriptures, like reading from the text of the Bible. Is that right? Yeah, it is. I used okay. to be really in it, like, hours a day, and now I'm, I haven't honestly taken time like I used to in months, three or yeah. four months, you know? Well, here's one of those things. You know, so I, um, I'm sure you can relate to this. So I run. That's just what I like to do. And what I find is that when I run, uh, it makes me want to run more. And when I, you know, get away from it for a while, I, I lose that drive and desire to do it. And I think that can be similar with the Word of God, right? Get back into it, and what you're going to find is when it becomes a regular practice in your life, you're, not only are you going to reap the fruit of it, but you're gonna, it's going to build on itself. You see what I'm saying? It's one of those things that builds momentum on itself. Yeah. And, and I will tell you also, this is where faith comes in, right? It sounds like you, you know that this is the right thing to do, but I guess my point is saying this. Faith is one of those things where we do things even if we don't feel like doing them because they align with our beliefs. There's one, one or two other thoughts I have for you. One is this. I recently wrote a post. I have a website where I write articles. And one of the articles I wrote was about something that I've been doing in my life. And that is um, I use my calendar to schedule things according to my values. So, for example, if I value time with my family, I'm not just going to think, hey, I should spend some time with my family. I'm actually going to put it in my calendar. Now, some people might say, oh, that's so rigid. You know, it sounds... Oh, but I'll tell you, it's not rigid at all. It actually makes me feel so much more free because I know that I don't need to have that stress in the back of my mind. Like, when am I going to do this thing? I've even scheduled in time for running, time for reading. Um, you know, even I'll, I'll block out one hour just for reading, um, you know, because I, I know that it's good for me to do that and I grow. So uh, I would just encourage you to do that. Put it in your calendar, whether it's a half hour or an hour here or there. And and deal with it that way. That way, um, it's not that something nothing else is going to come in and fringe on that time, and it's just going to become regular routine. Where this is the time that I have set aside and dedicated to the Lord, and uh, I think that's really really important. So this this post I wrote on my site is called "Feed the Goose and Use Your Calendar," and the idea behind it is, you know, Aesop's fable is really interesting, where he talks about the goose and the golden egg. Basically, here's the story: this guy had a goose. The goose laid golden eggs every day. One day the guy got greedy and he cuts the goose open and tries to get more golden eggs out of it. But of course, by doing that, he doesn't get any more golden eggs and he never gets any golden eggs ever in the future because now the goose is dead. Point is this, that what he should have done is just take care of the goose. If he takes care of the goose, he gets the outcome, which is the golden egg, which is ultimately what he wants. And there's a really important lesson in there for you and me, which is this, that we, we need to think in terms of inputs, right? Not just in terms of outputs. Because our output, let's say, is I want to grow in the Lord. I want to not worry about my work. I want to have confidence and faith. 
Well, you can't just make that happen just by wanting it to happen. We need to do the right inputs. And so the input in this case, like you already know, is read, your, read the Bible. And so I would just tell you, schedule that into your day. Make it as important as anything else you do because it is as important as anything else you do, perhaps more important than many of the things that you and I do. And uh, schedule it in there and do it. And I, I really do believe you're going to reap the benefits. Awesome. Um, re real quick, too, I, I'm about to start work. So yeah. I, I want to throw one more thing out at you, um, another piece of a prayer request. I was actually diagnosed with MS like two okay. years back. Um, it's, uh, it's not great. I don't feel fantastic. Mm. Um, like dizzy, you know, off balance wow. uh, and slurred speech. My, I don't know, I feel in my tongue. It's weird. But yeah. uh, if you could pray for me, because I'm about to hang up, if yeah. you could pray for God to hold the, like, furtherance of symptoms back. Yeah. Uh, I know he's a miracle-working God, man. It chokes me up because I still, you know, I believe in that. I, we believe in miracles, and we pray for it every day. And uh, if you could pray for symptoms to be, for him to hold this, like, furtherance back, and for, you know, my worries about work to be yeah. uh, not there, I guess. Let's um, do that. I'll pray for you, and then I'll let you go. Okay, so Heavenly uh, Father, I pray for Adrian. I thank you that he has a job, that even though he's been moved around, I pray that, Lord, he would understand uh, the value of that and that he would really rejoice in that job you've given him. Lord, I also pray for his MS and just pray, Lord, first of all, I pray that you would heal him. I pray that if it's your will, you take this completely away from him. And, Lord, I also pray that if you don't take this completely away from him, Lord, would you please postpone the progression of the symptoms progression of this uh, illness. Lord, I pray that you would be with him, strengthen him to do his work, and Lord, give him uh, strength to not uh, worry in the midst of all these things going on. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Cool. All right, Thank God you, bless Pastor. you, Adrian. All right, bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air. The number to call is 303-690-3000, or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Ken in Baltimore, Maryland. Hi, Ken. Welcome Hi, to the program. Hi, Pastor Nick. I was reading in Acts about Apostle Paul's sister and her son, which would be his nephew, and I just wanted to know if there's other other places in the Bible where maybe we would know their names and if they were Christians or or if they were just trying to help Paul out or do we really what do we really know about them? Yeah, there's very little we actually know about them. Um so that passage you're talking about is found in Acts chapter twenty three. And it says there what's going on is that uh Paul is brought before the council in, I believe it's Jerusalem. Is that where he's still in Jerusalem? I believe so. So he's arrested in the temple in chapter 21. See, 22, yep, he gives his testimony. In chapter 23, he's before the Roman tribunal and the council. And so Paul's kind of being moved around, and it looks like some people were lying in wait to kill him, making a plan to kill him. And it says that... Um, it was one of his relatives, specifically, um, verse 16, it says there, 
The son of Paul's sister heard about the ambush, so he went and entered the barracks and told Paul. Yeah, so Paul's nephew. We don't know anything else about Paul's family. I'll tell you, we know three things about Paul's family. First of all, we know that his father was a Pharisee. That's because Paul says there in Acts chapter 23 also that he is a Pharisee and he's the son of a Pharisee. Secondly, uh, we know that he had a sister, at least one sister, and his sister had a son. We know that from this uh, passage right here, Acts 23, verse 16. And we know that First uh, Corinthians 7, verse 8, tells us that at least at the time when Paul wrote First Corinthians that he was not married. Now, many people think that he was married at one time in his life because he mentions being part of the council, which is called the Sanhedrin. And to be part of the Sanhedrin, you had to be married. And so um, that's really all we know about Paul's family life. We don't know anything else about Paul's uh, brothers, sisters, or his nephew, other than that his nephew saved his life. We don't even know if they were believers or not. So. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Pastor Nick. Have yeah, a pleasant absolutely. evening. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Listening to Calvary Live, this is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. We have two open lines. The number to call is 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. And once again, text line 720-336-0897. Let's go to Wayne in Atlantic City. Hi, Wayne. Welcome to the hey, program. Hey, Pastor Nick. How are you? Doing great. Good, good man. Uh, first of all, I just want to say thank you very much for everything that you guys speak of. And, and teach with us uh, on the radio station. It's been very inspiring and inspirational to me. Um, Glad to hear it. And praise God, man. Um, my question here has to do with uh, a father's remains of ashes. Uh, you know, he's, I cremated him. Um, you know, he didn't have the money to set himself up with a lot to be buried next to his mother and father. And his mm-hmm. brother um, actually has possession of those other lots and is unwilling to um, to sell them to me to bury them. So I had two ideas on for his remains. Um, you know, they are in my house in a plastic bag for right now. Um, an accident happened with the actual urn. Um, so we, we shared a lot of fishing together. Um, he was of Catholic religion and um, recently baptized Christian. Um, what's the proper way to, um, you know, to handle ashes of, of his remains? I mean, I was thinking over the ocean where we fished, or, you know, kind of go to the cemetery and dig a little hole next to his mom and dad and put them inside there. It's just something that's been boggled in my mind for years, and I've been very undecisive of, of it. Yeah. I think if you went to a cemetery and buried them there, you'd probably run into some restrictions. So you yeah. would probably want to check with them before they do that. I know there's some public health issues in regard to that that they're worried about. Um, as far as I know, if you're in the ocean a certain distance away from the shore, you're allowed to do that. Uh, at least, you know, we did it with my wife's mother's ashes in the Pacific Ocean. We had to go out a little ways in a boat uh, away from the shore. I think there are some restrictions with that, but they're not um, not as restrictive, of course, as burying it in the ground. Uh, so is there anything biblical about that? Yeah, no, not really. Uh, there well, isn't. I'll tell you this: that uh, your father, being Catholic, I'm surprised that he wanted to be cremated, or maybe, maybe no, he, he wasn't. And that's what I'm saying. I didn't. I didn't. You know, with uh, uh, the way things just went down, 
you know, you just didn't have the money to bury him, and neither did I. I was like 22 years old, and you know, he was staying with the roommate, roommate that's off with his girlfriend, and hey, you know, your son's going to take care of you. So I'm basically the parent for my parent. Gotcha. Both of them and my mom right now, and it's just, uh, you know, it's God's strength. I'll tell you that. That's really keeping me uh, going. Yeah, that's good to know. So um, some people, you know, who are raised Catholic, they will not want to be cremated, and the yeah. reason for that is because uh, historically there's been kind of some concern about that from uh, the Catholic Church side, saying that if you were cremated, then you might not get um, resurrected. At the resurrection of Jesus, I'm sorry, at the second coming of Jesus, that your body mm -hmm. wouldn't be resurrected. But that's not really a biblical teaching, and it actually doesn't make really any sense, uh, even in a logical way. Because think about it, if, if your body decomposes over time, eventually all of your body will decompose. And then, I mean, I don't want to be crass or anything, but, you know, you could think about, you know, different uh, insects and things in the ground, those you know, yeah. parts of the body get spread out over the entire earth, becomes other things. And, and the thing to remember is that there's nothing um, left of your father here on earth. You know, even those ashes um, are, are his, his physical body. But, you know, as the Bible says, you know, from dust to dust, right? We came yeah. from dust and we returned to the earth in our bodies. Now our mm -hmm. souls exist forever. And so... Uh, what happens to your father's ashes or the remains of his body doesn't touch his soul. So okay. that I think that you can have um, confidence and uh, comfort in knowing that that whatever you decide to do with his ashes as a memorial to him, um, you know his soul is secure in the Lord. It sounds like uh, he received the Lord before he died. That's great to hear. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much, Pastor. I greatly appreciate uh, everything you speak of and. Uh, the opportunity and privilege to call in. I mean, awesome. uh, very inspirational and, and very strengthening to me um, at this point in my life. I'm trying every day. Every day. Glad to hear that, Wayne. God bless All you. Right. All right, man. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Right, Listening to Calvary Live, this is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or things going on in your life, if you have a prayer request, we'd love to pray for you, answer those questions for you, and all of the above. So give us a call. The number to call is 303-690-3000. or text us at 720-336-0897. We have all open lines right now and about 12 minutes left in the show, so it would be a great time. We could probably get in one or two more calls before the end of the show. If you have a question or a prayer request, give us a call, 303 Six nine zero three thousand. Once again, three zero three six nine zero three thousand, or text us at seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. Let's go to our text line, and uh, we had a text message come in that I wanted to address. One person wrote in and said this: "I am not in support of a new sex ed bill for the schools that includes LGBT education." I also do not believe in gay marriage, although I've been presented with Acts chapters 10 through 15 on why that should now be acceptable. I feel that I've always been loving and respectful to members of this community, but I'm now being labeled a hater because of my non-support in these areas. What does God's word say? Well, I think that God's word has, is, is quite clear 
on what it says. Uh, I am familiar with the argument from Acts chapter 10 verses 15, or yeah, chapters 10 through 15, which I can explain to our any of our listeners out there who might not be familiar with that argument. Um, I'll explain that in a second, but I will say this, that one thing that's really important to remember whenever we do theology, right? Because we have the scriptures, scriptures never change, but people come and they'll have different interpretations of the scriptures and different applications of the scriptures. And so one of the things that we want to look at is how have Christian people understood this and translated it um, in the past? So for example, when it comes to the issue of um, you know, homosexuality, and I, I would differentiate, by the way, between homosexual practice and homosexual attraction. I don't think that we want to um, you know, we, we're not coming against anybody who, ha, who's, who has homosexual attraction. Rather, what we're saying is that homosexual practice, according to the Bible, is outside the realm of what God says is uh, his design and what uh, he approves of. So it falls in the category of sin when it comes to the practice. And furthermore, on that practice, we have 2,000 years of Christian tradition and interpretation which support the view that homosexuality is a practice which is a sin. And so um, the f argument from Acts 10 through 15 is basically this, that uh, in Acts chapter 10, there is, there is someone who, uh, there's Peter, and he is having a vision in which God tells him that whereas, you know, for the Jews in time past, they were not supposed to eat anything that wasn't kosher, that didn't match up with the uh, ceremonial laws of the Old Testament and the law of Moses. And they were not supposed to do that. But then God gives him this vision in this dream. And Peter's, and you know, it's like, I call it pigs in a blanket, right? So it's all this unkosher food coming down out of heaven on a blanket. And God tells Peter, take and eat. And Peter says, no, Lord, which is, by the way, a very funny phrase. How can you say no, Lord? Because at the moment you say no, he's no longer your Lord. But Peter says, no, Lord, I won't do that because I have never eaten anything unclean and I'm not going to start now. And God says, hey, don't call what I have made clean unclean. And the idea there is that people who would say that this is a paradigm for interpreting the, a new view on homosexuality, even though there are 2,000 years of unbroken Christian tradition which support the view that the Bible clearly, when it speaks about homosexuality, it is saying that the practice is a sin, um, they would say, well, Clearly, God changed that in a vision to Peter and told him that, hey, this used to be the rule, but now I'm changing the rule, and it's no long, what used to be the rule is no longer the rule. Um, and there's a little bit more to the argument than that, um, but that's the crux of it. I think what's really important to take into mind here is that when we talk about the law of God, we need to understand that there, the law, the 613 laws of the Bible, um, they in, of the Old Testament. So the Law of Moses had 613 laws, 10 of which are the Ten Commandments. Those laws break down into three categories, and those three categories are treated differently in the New Testament. Each of those is treated differently in the New Testament. So first of all, you have what we would call moral laws, moral laws. Then you have ceremonial laws, and then you have civil laws. Now, for the Jewish people at the time of the, the time they were given the law of Moses, 
uh, those three were all intertwined, right? So civil laws were uh, ceremony, like ceremonial laws were civil laws and moral laws were civil laws. Whereas in our society, they are no longer that way. Neither were they that way, by the way, in the time of Jesus um, or at other times in Jewish history. And so we see that in the time of Jesus, in the time of the apostles, they deal with the moral law, the civil law, and the ceremonial law differently. And so that's where I would say this, is that the ceremonial law was fulfilled by Jesus, and that is why the ceremonial law goes away, the restrictions on the ceremonial law, because they pointed to Jesus, they pointed to our uncleanness and our need for clean, to be cleansed, they pointed to Jesus, and that is why in the New Testament we see those things going away, because they've been fulfilled in Jesus. That's essentially what's happening there in Acts 10 through 15. Now, the civil laws, of course, because they were being ruled by the Romans, they were no longer uh, able to practice the civil laws. We see that being a conflict even in the time of Jesus and the apostles where there was this whole conflict where the Jews wanted to carry out their civil laws, right? Which a lot of it was like stoning people to death for committing certain crimes, but they were not allowed to because the Romans didn't give them the power to do that. And so they had to submit to the civil laws of the Romans. So there you have the ceremonial law and the civil law, but what never changes in the Bible is the moral law. And the reason is because the moral law, this would be things that do deal with morality and this homosexuality would fall under this category. Those things never change. And the reason they never change is because they are founded and built on the nature and character of God, which is unchanging. So uh, that's something I would, I would explain to you. Um, I wrote an article on this uh, called Do Christians Pick and Choose When It Comes to Old Testament Laws? And you can find that on my website. Just do a search for that on my website, which is called nickkady.org. So N-I-C-K-C-A-D-Y dot O-R-G. And type in the search bar, do Christians pick and choose when it comes to Old Testament laws? And this article will come up and it kind of explains all of this. But I hope that gives you some uh, kind of handles as far as thinking about how we should interpret these issues, which are very relevant to today and what God's Word says about them. So thanks for that question uh, through your text message. You're listening to Calvary Live. Let's go to our next caller, Nick in Denver, Colorado. Hi, Nick. Welcome to the program. Hi, thank you. Um... I know we're short on time, but um, got a question in regards to trying to listen to God's will for me. And I've been working at uh, a facility where I know that God is using me in these people's lives. Um, I've seen growth and change in them, but I uh, would like to start searching for other jobs and start interviewing for other jobs and may have something available soon. Um, and was wondering if there's any biblical advice as to how to listen to God in, in that regard. Yeah. So, you know, Nick, I think that's great that you view your job as a way that you serve God. I think that's really important. It sounds like you've already got that in place, which is the one thing that I would want to encourage everybody about, is that you can serve God through your job, and uh, no matter you know what your vocation is. Um, you know, as far as hearing from God, here are a few things. You're going to hear from God as you read his word. You're going to hear from God. God speaks to us uh, through the abundance of counselors, right? So he speaks to us through each other. As, you know, you're around other people who have the spirit of God in them, God is able to speak to you through them. But you also want to weigh those things, right? So just because somebody has an opinion doesn't mean that it's the word of God. 
So you want to mm -hmm. pray about that, and you want to really consider if what they say aligns with the word, and if it if it resonates with what God is really confirming in your heart. Secondly, you know, or thirdly, I guess I would want to encourage you in this that God has given you His Spirit, and Jesus said that the Spirit is our helper. His Spirit guides us, and the Spirit tells us the words of God. And so I would just encourage you in that to really ask and God, ask God to lead you and confirm it by the Spirit who He has placed within you for that purpose. So, And, th and then I'm going to pray for you, and I hope that uh, really you will have clarity on what you should do. Thank you. So, Heavenly Father, I pray for Nick. I thank you for his desire to walk with you and to know you. And Lord, I do ask that you would give him clarity with whether he should stay in this job he's currently in or whether he should look for another job. Um, and Lord, really, I just pray that uh, by your spirit within him, you would lead him and guide him into your will. I pray you'd speak to him through your word. I pray you'd speak to him through other believers. Lord, that you would use all of these things in his life to direct him in the way that you want him to go and help him to be able to discern between uh, people's attention or you know people's opinions and really what it is that you're showing him and i pray that in jesus name amen thank you yeah absolutely nick god bless you you as well thank you you're listening to calvary live this is pastor nick katie from whitefields community church in longmont colorado we have come up to the end of our show we've got one minute till the end i'll just take the opportunity Hey, if you're looking for a place to worship this Sunday and you live in or around Longmont, Colorado, hey, I'd love for you to come and worship with us at the church I pastor. It's called Whitefields Community Church. It's in Longmont, Colorado. We meet at 700 Longs Peak Avenue, which is in downtown Longmont at the crossroads of Longs Peak and Kaufman Streets. And it is just one block west of Main Street in downtown Longmont. Check us out online at whitefieldschurch.com. Whitefieldschurch.com. You've been listening to Calvary Live. And this show is on every weekday from 4 to 5 p.m. Mountain Time. Tune in each time and uh, look forward to being with you again on Monday. God bless you. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.